Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Our text for our sermon is Psalm 66. For the choir director, a song, a psalm. Shout praise to God all the earth. Make music to the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great power, your enemies must cower before you. All the earth bows down to you. They make music to you. They make music to your name. Interlude. Come and see the works of God. How awesome his deeds for all people. He turned the sea into dry land. They crossed through the river on foot. Let us rejoice in him there. He rules by his power forever. His eyes watch the nations. Do not let the rebellious rise up against him. Interlude. Bless our God, you peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He is the one who has preserved our lives. He did not let our feet slip. Indeed, you tested us, God. You refined us as silver is refined. You led us into a trap. You laid a burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to a well-watered place. I will come to your house with whole burnt offerings. I will fulfill my vows to you, which my lips uttered, which my mouth spoke during my trouble. I will offer fat animals to you as whole burnt offerings, along with the smoke from rams. I will offer cattle with goats. Interlude. Come, listen, all you who fear God, and let me tell you what he has done to save my life. To him I cried out with my mouth. High praise was on my tongue. If I had contemplated evil in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened. He has paid attention to the sound of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned aside my prayer or turned aside his mercy from me. This is the word of the Lord. Glory be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. The minute you hear today's sermon theme, if you do not listen to the sermon, you are going to be offended and probably just walk away from the sermon. If you have sadly bought into the pagan concept that comes in what we call prosperity theology, that's the preaching of those who, it's just the same reason why people worship pagan gods and little false idols is the idea that you do the right things for God, maybe it's act morally enough, maybe it's you give your heart to Jesus and then suddenly everything in life is just going to be so hunky-dory, you're going to have wealth and health and the perfect spouse and the perfect house. If you've bought into that, today's sermon theme is going to scream again you, but it is applied to the Word of God. And we are going to take Psalm 66 and pour the coronavirus through it to see the applications. And we're going to see when it's all said and done what is our sermon theme. Praise the Lord for the coronavirus. And so our text begins. It tells us it's for the choir director, a song, a psalm. We're never told who wrote it. We're never told any specific circumstances. When things are that vague in the psalms, it's clear to me that it's because God wants it to apply to many different situations. So let's get into it and begin to see why we would praise the Lord for the coronavirus. Verses 1 through 4. Shout praise to God all the earth. Make music to the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great power your enemies must cower before you. All the earth bows down to you. They make music to you. They make music to your name. And then it says that Hebrew word selah, which the more I translate the Psalms, the more I'm convinced that is meant to be an interlude in which you take some time to think about it. Chew it over in your mind. Probably was telling the choir director to play a thoughtful music so people can think about this for a minute. 
Shout praise to God, all the earth, all creation. It was made by God. God spoke and there was light. And the crown of his creation was man. It was meant to be man's abode. Creation was free from sin. There was paradise and there was a garden that was amazing. But Adam and Eve fell into sin, so God subjected this world to decay. He allowed things like the common cold, cancer, and yes, even things like the coronavirus, because he does not want us to get attached to this decaying world. He doesn't want us to think that it's about health, wealth, and a nice house and a perfect spouse. He wants us to look ahead to the new heavens and the new earth that will be free of sin, that will be free of the impact of the devil, that will not be subject to decay. So we're told, make music to the glory of his name. We think of God's name and we think of the commandment, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And we think, well, that just means don't say, gee, do it. It's so much more than that. God's name represents all the work that he does, especially the work in redeeming and saving you. And so we make music to the glory of his name by proclaiming what he has done in creation, by proclaiming especially what he has done to save us, that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we're told, say to God how awesome are your deeds. The word we translate as awesome is also the word for fear. When you look at God's power and, and you truly stand by it, all that power should, should just scare you. But the most awesome, awe-inspiring deed he did was that he used that power to put all the sins of the world on his shoulders and then he endured the punishment of every sin ever on the cross. The only reason why a person finds themselves in hell is because they say, no thank you God, I don't want that. Or they just are indifferent to it and don't care. How awesome are his deeds, especially that of taking on human flesh and living perfectly for us and saving us. Now, verse 3 also says, because of your great power, your enemies must cower before you. And the Hebrew word that's used there tricks people up in translating because it's, it's a word of, of the people being false. See, there are many people today who falsely worship God. That's prosperity theology. Not saying, I love God because He's my Savior, but I love God because if I do the right things, I think He's going to give me the perfect house and the perfect spouse and great health and great wealth. That's focusing on the things of this world. And there are those who, for example, now during the middle of coronavirus, even though those people have yet to figure out a cure, and the best we've done since it escaped out of what appears to be out of a laboratory, but I don't know for sure that, it, the best we've done is managed to slow it down, and they say, where is your God now? People who hate God. But you know what? On Judgment Day, they will cower down before Him. They will bow down and say, I'm going to hell, but I have to admit, you truly were God and it's my fault. I was the one rejecting you. So there are people who falsely worship God now, and there are people, their hearts are not worshiping Him as, as His children. On Judgment Day, His children will bow down at Him and say, Oh, our loving God. But those who rejected him will cower down in fear because they will not know his love, but they will see that ultimately he's God. Why do we praise the Lord for the coronavirus? What we get out of these verses when we pour it into it is to recognize 
It's subject to him. God has allowed it. God made all of creation, and creation has to obey him. So he has a purpose for this. And I can tell you one of the great purposes we've already seen, people are running out and they think the coronavirus is subject to man. They especially think if the government throws enough money at it or enough people, then they'll find a cure for it. And so far, all we've managed to do is slow down its spread by social distancing. The coronavirus is not subject to man and maybe God will allow it, maybe he won't. But it is subject to God, and he has ruled over time and creation to allow this for a reason. So, what's the reason? Verses 6 through 7 give us the general principle, and then verses 8 through 12 will really apply it. Verse 5, Come and see the works of God, how awesome his deeds for all people. He turned the sea into dry land, they crossed through the river on foot. Let us rejoice in him there. He rules by his power forever. His eyes watch the nations. Do not let the rebellious rise up against him. And there again is that Hebrew word selah, interlude. Take time to chew on that. How awesome are his deeds for all people. Again, the most awesome deed God has done is taking on human flesh and offering salvation so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, what's stated next, we can think of when God parted the Red Sea. We can think of God parting the Jordan River, which isn't that deep of a river, but the people were allowed to cross in dry land. But especially, Hebrew verbs often talk, especially in the Psalms, of just general principles. And, and so here it seems that God is more just focusing on the general principle that he turns the sea into dry land. When it serves his gracious purpose for mankind, he'll dry right up the water so people can cross. They can cross through the river on foot when God determines it to do it. He will make the water stop doing what he's designed it to do temporarily to serve the betterment of mankind. And so it says, let us rejoice in him there. When we see natural catastrophes, tsunamis, tornadoes, and God in his kindness and his grace says that tornado is heading for this town, but today it's going to go over it or around it. Let's stop then and there and praise the Lord that in that destruction that God for his purposes allowed, he said not that much destruction. This coronavirus could destroy humankind. It's shut down economies. People are losing work. But God constantly says this and no more. So we praise the Lord for the coronavirus. It's subject to him. And we see he makes it serve his people. In fact, verse 7 focuses. It says, he rules by his power forever. His eyes watch the nations. Our government may never be able to find the cure for this. But when it served God's purpose, as with other viruses and plagues in human history, scientists often don't know why they go into remission, but you and I do. God says it served my purpose, and now it's time for it to go away. And that verse, at the end of verse 7, says, Do not let the rebellious rise up against him. The Hebrew word used for rebellious is actually stubborn. A stubbornness that ends up coming across as rebellion. Stubborn as a mule. A person who has become an adult in, in the Old Testament who was stubborn against his parents. The parents say, you need to run the farm. We, this is your inheritance. And they say, no, I'm stubborn. I want to do what I want to do. I want to party all the time. That's rebellion. We're stubborn here in America. 
Look at this. We have the freedom of religion, and look at how many governors in that are saying, you churches can't gather. Now, my congregation, at the request of a governor who did not want to break the freedom of religion, has chosen that we would socially distance for a while. And I say God bless them for doing it, but our state did not force that upon this. There is a stubbornness there of people who refuse to see God. And look around America. How many people stubbornly refuse to pray to God? and ask him, Lord, please, you're ruling over this. Let us see your hand. Let us see your good. Let us understand it. How many people will turn to the scientists and the government, whom God can use, but that stubbornly let them have the place of God in taking care of this virus? So we've got to be careful. We want to praise the Lord for the coronavirus. It's subject to him, but he's making it serve the people. Even by showing where we're trusting more in, in scientists and government than God. And that leads us right into the next section where we can specifically apply how he's using the coronavirus. That's verses 8 through 12. Bless our God, you peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He's the one who has preserved our lives. He did not let our foot slip. Indeed, you tested us, God. You refined us as silver is refined. You led us into a trap. You laid a burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to a well-watered place. The psalmist here really is crescendoing in the psalm to verse 10, where he says, Indeed, you tested us, God. You refined us as silver is refined. You've heard me say in more than one sermon, when God tests us, God's all-knowing. It's not for God's knowledge. It's where God is showing us where we either don't trust in Him, or actually that we do trust in Him. Or He's showing us where our faith needs some, some shoring up. To refine silver in fire means you put it into the heat in everything that has a lesser melting temperature than silver is burned up. That's what the coronavirus is doing. It's God refining us. God is putting us in the crucible. And everything that is not God and not trust in God is getting burned up. He's showing His children, those who have faith in Him, if they've been poisoned by things like the prosperity theology, no, that's got to go, that's got to get burned up. And for others, He's saying, look at how you are trusting in Me. When we lose our jobs because of this virus, God says, I've still got you. I'll feed your family. God is going to preserve us right up until the time he takes us to heaven. And so taking us through the refiner's fire, we have to ask, are we trusting in government and scientists who God can use, but are we trusting in them in the place of God or are we seeing them as God's instrument, seeing God behind the scenes? Because the one is going to be a disaster and the other says, I trust in you, O Lord. In verse 9, he says, he's the one who has preserved our lives. The Hebrew literally says, places our souls among the living. He's given you life. He keeps you set here in this life with the soul that is eternal and also involves physical life. And so he will preserve that life right up until the time that he gives you the new heavens and the new earth or calls you to heaven until that time when he gives you the new heavens and the new earth. In which case you're still among the living because when you're in heaven, you get to physically see the invisible church that as we learned in last week's text in Second Peter, God has made you a brick on top of Christ that forms that. 
In the long run, he says, you let men ride over our heads. There's the picture like the Egyptian chariots that would just roll right over people and kill them. Sometimes it seems like God is being our enemy, doesn't it? We went through fire and through water. In English, we say hell or high water. You face the risk of drowning. You face the risk of being burned up. But what does he say in the end? But you brought us out to a well-watered place. The Hebrew word there literally is abundance. God allowed the devil to test Job. He did that for you and I. We can apply the entire book of Job to things like the coronavirus now. Job lost everything but his life. When the testing was over, not that it's about the material things of this world, but God restored those. But where Job truly had the abundance was he never did deny his Lord. God had given him a faith that clung to him. So we praise the Lord for the coronavirus. It's subject to him. And he's using it to serve you, his people. And specifically, we see he's allowed it to refine his people. And you and I are his people. So what are we to do now that we recognize that? Verses 13 through 15 say, I will come to your house with whole burnt offerings. I will fulfill my vows to you, which my lips uttered, which my mouth spoke during my trouble. I will offer fat animals to you as whole burnt offerings, along with the smoke from rams. I will offer cattle with goats. Interlude. Again, Selah. Think about that for a while. What is he saying? He's saying, Lord... I'm going to come to the temple and offer sacrifices to atone for my sins, because whole burnt offerings as a whole were meant to point to the coming Savior who would give his whole life, but also out of thanks. What's he saying he's going to do? He's going to return thanks to the Lord. It's very difficult for us in times like the coronavirus to return thanks to the Lord. But I've had people say, I got my government check that they sent out, and I'm so thankful that... I set aside a portion of that simply to give back to the Lord out of thanks. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our offerings. He privileges us with giving them as a way of returning thanks. Yes, it's like the child who's drawn a picture that, of stickmen and says, Hey, Daddy, thank you for helping me fix my bike. Here's this picture. Daddy didn't fix the bike for the picture, but Daddy's heart rejoices in that picture. So we return thanks to God when we see that how God has used the coronavirus for us. The big thing here in what we do and why we give thanks after the testing is wrapped up in verses 16 through 20. Come listen, all you who fear God, and let me describe what he has done to save my life. The Hebrew verb that he says, let me tell you, is an accounting term. It's to sit down and count up and then describe the numbers. Let me count up all the time what God has done. It's translated as done to save my life. Literally, the Hebrew says save my soul. Because God has already eternally saved you, giving you a Savior. And in the meantime, he preserves your life until the time he determines that you will be before his throne in heaven. So you too can sit down and think it up. He says, To him I cried out with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had contemplated evil in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. What he's saying here is, is for example, if I were saying, Lord, help me rob this bank so I can have more money, God's not going to listen to that prayer. God doesn't help us to sin. But that wasn't where the person was. While being refined, God was helping them remove their sin. So when they cried out, it was a prayer to God that had been washed by the blood of the Lamb, our Savior. So we're told, but God has surely listened. He has paid attention to the sound of my prayer. The Hebrew word there literally is stretching out the ear, bending down. Let me hear you. Let me make good and sure that I hear you so well. 
And so he says, Blessed be God who has not turned aside my prayer or turned aside his mercy from me. It's so sad how often people forget to pray to God while we're being tested by things like the coronavirus. But here we have that reminder. We return thanks to God because we know He hears our prayers. He answers our prayers according to He who knows all things, knows what is best for us. And He gives you mercy. And the proof of His mercy, the proof of His committed, compassionate love for you is the fact that He has taken on human flesh and has saved you. And so I began this sermon telling you that this is going to be a sermon that, that offends you if you don't listen to the whole thing or if you have bought into that prosperity theology. I'm sorry for those of you who have contracted this, who have lost loved ones, who have lost your jobs. God works through crosses. And we can see Him working that way. So we can praise the Lord for the coronavirus. It, like all things, is subject to Him. And so He makes it serve for the good of his people. That's you. He allows it to refine his people. It's painful for that silver to go into the crucible, if you will. But in the long run, it's made pure because of it. And so we return thanks to God, and we are confident he answers our prayers and he gives us mercy. Amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord God, our strength, our song, and our salvation, you fulfilled your promises by the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. Thanks be to God, you give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In your compassion, you sent Christ the Good Shepherd, who laid down his life to rescue the lost. Drive out all doubt and gloom that we may delight in your glorious triumph. Lift our eyes heavenward to see him who lives to make intercession for the saints and grant us confidence in the greatness of his power. Keep before us the vision of your redeemed people standing before your throne and singing the song of victory. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive wisdom and power and honor and glory and praise. Make us instruments of your peace as we bring the good news of hope and new life to those around us. Guide us in the use of all that you have entrusted to us, our time, our talents, and our treasures. Risen Lord, live in us that we may live for you. Merciful Lord Jesus, grant healing to the sick and strengthen the faith of the suffering and the dying. Assure them of your abiding presence and comfort them with the hope of eternal life. Gracious Lord, as so many have become unemployed due to the shutdown of our economy and our work and our social lives, in order to prevent the spread of the coronavirus, we ask that you use this opportunity to show them your loving and providing hand. Take care of them, Lord, and let them know that you are there providing for them. We ask you, Lord, to bless the effort and work of the doctors and the scientists that they can discover a way to conquer this virus, that they may be your hand and glorify you in developing a vaccine or a cure. Lord, as many cities and states open up gradually, we ask that you bless that, especially that it can lead to employment again, but bless it so that the coronavirus does not spread any further. Hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions.
Gracious Father, you have restored to us the joy of your salvation. With happy hearts we come before you and say, Alleluia. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.